All right, so let's go ahead and get to part two of my interview with Connor Boyack. This is the Wealth Standard Podcast, the gold standard in all things financial. All right, so maybe let's maybe segue into, you know, of course, you've written these books and done a phenomenal job, and I think that they're just going to... They're going to continue to to blow up just because I think right now this is exactly what uh, kids need, it's what parents need. But let's maybe segue into some of the efforts that you you have uh, with Libertas. Excellent. Third times see, charm. got it. Third, got I, it I think finally. it was like four times, but uh, anyway, <laughs> old dogs can learn new tricks. And <laughs> and the times I mispronounced it before, you know, probably yeah, amounts in the the dozens. Anyway, so going into some of your efforts there, I mean, you just finished yeah. with the legislative session up at you know Capitol Hill here in Utah. And you've done this for a few years now. Mm-hmm. What's been what's been your experience? Because I don't know if they really enjoy having you up there in some <laughs> in some instances, right? Because you're not necessarily lobbying for you know um, Kennecott, or you're, or you're not lobbying sure. for you know a bank, or lobbying for you're, you're lobbying more for principles. Let me extrapolate it this way, because I know a lot of your viewers are not in Utah, where our work is focused, and so I'll talk about it in a way that'll uh, make sense beyond the, the borders of our state. First of all, Libertas is actually the name of the Statue of Liberty, the the Roman goddess of liberty. Her name is uh, Libertas, mm-hmm. so that's where we take our name from. Uh, Libertas Institute is what's called a state-based think tank, and every state except one has a kind of free market uh state-based think tank, where they just focus on the policies in their state. If, if uh, your viewers are curious, you can go to spn.org. That's for the State Policy Network. Mm. Um, and you can look up the directory and find who's in your state and go see if uh, that's a group that you're interested in. So each of our groups, you hear about like uh, Institute for Justice, Cato Institute, Heritage Foundation, these, these big groups uh, are Sutherland focused nationally. In, yeah. yeah, in yeah. Utah, there's Sutherland. But there's these national groups. Uh, nothing ever gets done federally. Like Nothing's changing. Most things getting worse. And so our groups are kind of the vanguards of free at the at the state level where you can actually get a lot of stuff done and uh, so our work consists of doing a lot of legal research um, and strategy meeting with coalition members meeting with legislators and preparing for a legislative session where we go up and advocate for the things that we've been kind of planning all along and so we'll go up and you know maybe lobby against a bad bill or bring a bunch of people up with us to testify for this really good bill and yeah I mean I think a lot of people don't like that because they you know we have a great outreach uh, a very broad reach. We can hold legislators accountable. We can broadcast much like you're doing, you know, Facebook Live and using social media to raise awareness of how they're voting and what's happening behind the scenes. Um, and it's really interesting. A, a lot of people, I think it's because we watch the news so much, right, that the news focuses our attention on national, national. issues yep. and international issues where we can do the least. Uh, what news media is going to the local city council meeting to talk about, you know, issue X, where if you got five people together and showed up and testified, your city council, you know, <laughs> they would be blown do. away, <laughs> right? Like, oh my gosh, this is a mandate from the people. We, we got to do something. I've changed laws at the city level. It is very easy. And, and yet no one pays any attention, which means that at the, it's this weird inverse relationship. People's attention and energy and, and donations are funneled to the very level of government where they can do the do least. The least, to, the least leverage, too. Yeah. Is that how you're funded? Are you funded by the people, or, or are you funded by donors We're kind of companies? We're kind of split in thirds. About a third of our, and, and every group's different. Some have big, you know, sugar daddies and whatever. Yeah. None of them are government you funded. You need to get a sugar daddy. I, I'm, yeah. Maybe you can introduce me. <laughs> uh, so about a third are kind of more business type of people, right? They okay. can write bigger checks, help support our salaries. They like what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, about a third is from what's called foundations. These are from like, and there's lots of foundations uh, 
around the country. These are people who amassed a great uh, deal of wealth. Maybe they're still alive. Oftentimes they're deceased. And they'll donate that money to a foundation and they get preferential tax treatment for how that money is managed. You'd probably know uh, mm -hmm. better than I would. Yeah. And by law, as a benefit of this preferential tax treatment, they have to donate 5% of their assets every year. Yeah. So they're always looking for who do we grant money to. And so you can go apply to those foundations and say, hey, we're doing this cool project. I've gotten, you know, some foundations have, have supported some of the Tuttle Twins books. So we get some t uh, foundation money. And then a third of that uh, is just, you know, $20 a month, $50 a month families who like private, what we do. Private citizen it. donor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so just saying, hey, we like it, keep it up. We can't, we don't have time to, you know, do it, so we're, we want to support you guys. So, so, so maybe get into one of the a couple of the issues that you were up against this uh, this because you just barely got got done yeah, with it. We just finished. Yeah, and I know one of them was applicable to your <laughs> you know your food truck fiasco yeah. Tuttle Twins book. Yeah. Maybe talk about that because the food there's this like you know nationwide food truck revolution like, yeah. everywhere. I mean it's huge in, in Brooklyn and and uh, California. There's Austin, a lot of it, a ton of huge it here. In Austin, Texas. And, yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. talk about you know what what you were up against and uh, you know what what was the experience in trying to get. Uh, people to listen to your point of view there. This was kind of weird because I wrote the food truck fiasco about a year ago. And in that book, Ethan and Emily uh, are able to change one of the laws at the city level. There's some protectionism and they fight and they win and yay. Right. <laughs> and then like three months later, there's a city nearby where I live that was doing a, a summer bash, a big city event. And they were going to let a few food trucks in, but then they passed a law saying that trucks, uh, food trucks could not park within like, you know, a hundred yards of, of the park. They were trying to ban food trucks uh, from operating there. So we considered suing them. And as we began talking with food truck owners, we realized this was actually a bigger problem bigger than just that city. So many cities have these arcane regulations, costly fees. And so we took a step back and said, oh, wow, there's a, there's a bigger problem here. So uh, we came up with a proposal, a very comprehensive law that's now actually uh, just was signed into law a few days ago. So it's now the first law in the entire nation that creates basically a freer market for food trucks. And so we're going to be actually taking this to other state legislatures uh, next year, trying to get other states to adopt the model. Basically what happens is if you're a food truck owner and you're going from city to city, like if you're in Austin, you can probably survive all day in one major metropolitan sure. area. because yeah, it's so right? big. But in a lot of states, you, they're going city to city to city. And every city regulates things differently. They have different uh, inspections that you have to do. They have different permits you have to get. And so here in Utah, for example, you'll have food trucks who go to 10 or 15 cities. They're paying three to $6,000 a year just in inspection, just in, excuse me, just in the, the permit fees. Then there's all the inspection costs. There's compliance costs where these tiny little food trucks operating on razor thin food margins mm -hmm have to hire employees, one or more, just, just to, to do that. compliance costs, right? And so food trucks have gone out of business. So we came in and said, look, much like a lot of states have, for example, if you get a concealed carry license mm -hmm. for a firearm, a lot of states have reciprocity, right? You'll go to one state and they'll honor the other state. We mm -hmm. said, hey, let's take that same model. And if I have a food truck in Salt Lake City mm -hmm. and I get it inspected and tested and I pay my permit, I should be able to take that and just go to the other cities and say, I'm good, right? Here's my stuff. I've already it's been inspected. It's a great idea. Yep. And that's basically what happened. And so now the fees are going to plummet. That's the, awesome. Everything's streamlined. These food trucks are so excited because this is like do or die for a lot of them. There's one brief story. There's this guy who married an immigrant woman who has cancer. And he started this food truck business to try and uh, – provide for his family and he went to go get a permit with his city and they denied him a permit because of a, a minor criminal 
passed like nine years ago. Gosh. And and they said, no, we, we can't give you a license. We, we don't allow licenses for people with a criminal past. And the, their idea was, you know, like ice cream trucks are going into the neighborhoods, yeah, right? Yeah. They want to make sure kids. it's protected. Yeah. They want to make sure kids are protected. That's not what food trucks do. That's mm. not their model. Oh, give me a break. Those ice cream trucks are like the creepiest things ever. Even though yeah, they get somehow, permits, right? Yeah, they somehow <laughs> manage to get permits. They let people through. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But so it's been so tough for these guys, and so we we the bill passed almost unanimously. That's awesome. Uh, it was a ton of fun to do. Everyone loves food trucks. We had a big rally a few months ago. Had like two thousand people up there and like a dozen food trucks. We brought food trucks up to the Capitol. There's just such social positivity in the food truck movement, if you will. Um, and so we're going to be taking this to other states because it is this burgeoning industry. But people don't really understand as much as they love food trucks. No one really has understood these guys are regulated to the hilt. So yeah. we're trying to scale that back. Well, I think once if they start disappearing, they're going to notice. They'll realize. Yeah. But I would say, yeah, I would say it's you know you, you look at the retail industry, you look at just you know restaurants in general. I mean, I, I don't remember growing up going to restaurants that that often. Mm-hmm. Uh, now everybody goes to restaurants. Now everyone is looking to you know these type of u- unique type of food distributors, and it's I mean it's amazing. The food the food's amazing, and it allows people you know. On, on very you know small budgets when to take the their road. trade somewhere instead of having to put up a lot of risk associated with oh, the with the, with the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. When I when I'm out on the road, I don't really even look for restaurants. I look for food trucks because yeah. I know a they are regulated and the food's going to be good and it's going to be clean and and healthy and and so on. Uh, but I also know that it's going to be cheap mm-hmm. and it's it's just a great option. That's the first place I always look. And what I like too about it is the upward mobility. A lot of these food truck owners, th- these are micro enterprises. These are people who could not get a loan for a huge brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. It's an immigrant trying, like he's a great cook from India, and so he's trying <laughs> to start a business. It's such a great way with a low barrier of entry for people to you know, fulfill their own American dream. But those archaic rules that are already in place are what kind of ha- is a barrier to entry to, to an extent. Even, even if they could comply with all of that, in Salt Lake City, for for example, they had a permitting process where it was so difficult that there was this one immigrant who just couldn't understand English well enough. He felt like he had to almost hire someone just to help him with compliance mm-hmm. to even operate his business because the the, the 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 bureaucracy and the barriers were so much. So we're just trying to clear that out of the way and, and let people start their business. So I mean, this goes to the to the book. But I was, when I was having that dialogue with my niece, you know, she. She, you know, the discussion went to, you know, why, you know, why should those food trucks be allowed to, to, to sell food? And I said, why do you think they've created laws? And it went to this, well, you know, you don't want to, people don't want to get sick and, you know, they, if they comply, then they'll be able to do this. I said, Miley, you know, so, so how today, if somebody ate at a food truck, right. And they got sick or the food was terrible or it was, you know, the, the cleanliness, et cetera. What would they do after that? And that's where it went to, you know, whether it's Yelp or, or online. I mean, people nowadays are, in a sense, kind of so, socially held accountable to the quality of things, quality of business, quality of trade, quality of food in this instance. So that was a cool part of the discussion. Yeah, and I got to tell you, to, you know, the, the, uh, the public forum is much more damning than anything you're going to get through legislation. Yeah. Uh, getting a bad review on Yelp, I, I, that has fundamentally changed the car business, yeah. the restaurant business, the bar scene. Uh, it's changed huge, huge chunks of our society, just people governing themselves, yep. which is really cool. If a bureaucracy 10 years ago gave you a fine of $500 for having a mouse in the kitchen or you know whatever, 
you can absorb that and no one has any idea. But right. now people are held accountable and that review saying, I saw a mouse scurry out of the kitchen stays there. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. And so you're, you're on your best behavior because you don't the want time. those bad reviews. All right. So let's maybe move to uh, maybe one more, not necessarily this year, but you know, there was a, a very controversial one, especially here in Utah, that you pursued last year relative to uh, marijuana. Oh, yeah. Right. So I think that is is fascinating because I know that that was you know there was a lot of uh, pushback. Yeah. So maybe maybe talk about your experience there and what you what you faced. What was the result? So the landscape where we're at is about half of the states have legalized medical marijuana or even recreational, mm-hmm. um, and so it's something that a lot of people are using, familiar with. Uh, but here in Utah and in about half of the states, that's not a legal option. So what you see is, uh, unfortunately, you see patients, let's say someone with Crohn's disease, and they see people in their surrounding states where cannabis is legal for medicinal use uh, who have Crohn's disease, just like them, and who are obtaining and legally using cannabis and are healing, whereas they are on eight prescription drugs, suffering all the side effects from that, and not getting any better. So you think of the injustice that you'd feel if you're in that situation. So a few things can happen. One is you can become what's called a medical refugee and travel to another state uh, and uproot your life, leave your social support network, your physicians, family, job, everything else. And so that happens, unfortunately. Um, Or you can illegally use it. Uh, but then you're probably getting dirty weed off the street that isn't tested. Maybe you're smuggling it across state lines that you are bringing with you, which has huge consequences um, if you're caught. And you're putting yourself at risk of having uh, the Department of Child and Family Services take your children, uh, losing your job. Like, you know, it, it, it's a it's a between a rock and a very hard place for these people. So uh, we've been in, U- in our case in Utah trying to pass a comprehensive medical marijuana program that would allow these people to be what we're uh, our little hashtag uh, uh, slogan for the campaign is patients, not criminals, right? The criminals don't care about the law. You can give me five minutes. I could go score some weed off the street, right? Like it's everywhere. It's in schools. But these are people who are trying to be law abiding, you know, and, and healthy and the law doesn't allow them to. And so unfortunately, we failed in the legislature. Uh, we, we narrowly failed last year. There was no bill this year. So for our case uh, right now, we're planning a ballot initiative here, and uh, it would be on the November 2018 ballot. Much as there have been ballot initiatives around the different states, that seems to be a very popular way to do it because legislatively there's a lot of resistance, right? You get the medical associations weighing in. You get legislators who are like 60-plus where they're steeped in this very – you know, mindset of reefer madness and, and all the, the, prop, the, the true it is. That's negative true propaganda. propaganda, right? The government propaganda. Um, and so it's very hard to convince these people to let go of that control and allow people to be free to choose. Uh, whereas the people are ready. In our case in Utah, there have been, I think now, 11 polls in the past two years all of which show 60% or more people support Support this. And I think the reason why is because everyone knows someone with cancer, with chronic pain, epilepsy, Crohn's disease. And And, and to be clear, you're talking about medical marijuana. You're not talking about recreational use. You're talking about medical use. For our part in Utah, I don't think we'd ever go recreational because of the culture here. Um, But And and to us, that's that's a completely separate question than medical. Medical is all about the justice of it all and should a physician, improving quality of yeah. life and but the reason and suffering but the reason why you've had such hurdles is because of the misunderstanding between those uses and the social stigma that exists mm-hmm. right that's people are that's worried the about the, the slippery slope well, they're, they're worried about yeah. if we legalize medical then we're gonna have recreational nights yep. and that is a big fear for yep. people so but i think the polling shows that people are ready for it you know and, and they hope that it won't go recreational and 
Um, and But in a lot of states, they're having to um, have that recourse that they take it straight to the people, circumvent the, the state legislatures because of this dynamic where they're the older, more status quo yep. conservative. Um, and one state after another continues to topple. It's so unfortunate to me when you look at all of the energy, all of the money that is spent trying to overturn these laws that have only been in place for a few decades, largely because of complete misinformation. I mean, if you want to go down the rabbit hole of cannabis and understand why marijuana is illegal, you go look up uh, William Randolph Hearst. It is all about financial incentives trying to stave off hemp as a competition against his textiles. Mm -hmm. And he owned all these newspapers, so he filled them up with propaganda that the Mexicans are going to rape your wives because they're stoned on this marijuana. And 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 that was the campaign. It's amazing. Yeah. That's what led yeah. to changing laws and the propaganda that's been in place since. And so it's so tragic to me, now that I know all these patients, seeing the, the lives uh, that they lead and the bags, literal bags of bottles of prescription medication that they hold up and say, this is what I have to have. Whereas I know people in these other states that have weaned themselves off of that completely using cannabis. So for us, it's the injustice of that. They should have the right, their physician and them should be able to have that option. That's what we're trying to do. Well, it's ideal. I mean, that's ideology in general. I mean, that's, that's something that is, you know, just, I say, I would say prevalent throughout the entire country is just the, this is what marijuana is, right? And, and most people would define it as such, but yet similar to other things it's like you know petroleum like or or uh, or what it was back in the back in the day just oil it was just this 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 thing that made it so that farmers couldn't grow their crops sure. now it's you know what is it turned into it's like yeah. you know there's petroleum based products in every in everything we couldn't live without it exactly so it's one of those things where there's that that such that powerful social stigma that it's prevented and who knows what else, what other applications there are for it but yet because it's being held back it can't be explored right oh and and I'll just tease this point about the other applications william randolph hearst was right to see this as a threat because hemp in, industrial hemp leaves Aside the medicinal recreational consumption of, of the bud, the, the fibers in this plant are oh, phenomenal. Strong. I mean, yeah. even something like hempcrete is better than concrete, concrete. cheaper, sturdier, longer lasting. It, it absorbs toxins from the air. I mean, this stuff is amazing. And so if we could produce hemp in, in mass scale, it would be awesome for the economy, but it's been held back because of all of this stuff. And so hopefully in the next few years, we'll reach that tipping point where things just kind of proceed a lot quicker than they are right now. Well, I think the, also the efforts around the country are really creating uh, a huge momentum that is going to be very difficult to to stop, right? Yeah. And I think that pressure is going to you know, help help you and in your initiative. But I would say also doing what you did i would i mean failure because you didn't achieve the outcome you were you were wanting right. but at the same time looking at the meetings you did have the influence that you did have a kind of awakening people to things that they didn't know or understand before i think that's a win of itself it's just not not necessarily going right. to be realized until down the road yeah it's a short term loss but that long term victory is coming and i think it's coming for people around the country i don't think these prohibitions can stand forever well, well done, man. You have you definitely have patience, and you're going up against you know quite the, you know quite the issues, right? What would you say your your biggest challenges have been over the last couple of years relating to just some of the issues you're trying to push through? Okay, I've got one that comes to mind that that pervades them all, um, and that is apathy. Uh, probably our biggest challenge is getting people to care enough to donate, to show up, to speak out, to call their legislator. I mean, it's so cliche to say, contact your legislator or whatever, but seeing it from my side and seeing the power of three constituents calling their legislator because they're used to calls just from lobbyists or whatever, yeah. like you see the power that can have if, yeah. if you just engage. And 
in in Utah and other red states, uh, there's a very strong feeling that all is well, business is going great, taxes are low, regulations are low, I'm just going to go worry about my life. And so for us, the biggest challenge is helping people understand all these problems in the world around us, right? To say there are, I mean, even food trucks, everyone just goes to a big food truck event and, hey, this is great, I get my favorite, you know, waffle love with strawberries. Like, people just go about their life, and no fault of their own, right? Like, the media, I think, is very complicit in, in shielding people from the actual substantive yep. issues uh, that they can make a difference on. But for me, running a think tank, being an educator, the hardest thing is getting people to wake up, getting people to care, finding what you can do to light a fire under someone and get them to engage. That's tough. That takes a while. That's the hard thing. Well, I think, and also, and I'll just give a quick story, then we'll kind of wrap. Well, where are we at with time? We're probably... Oh, don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, we're, we're good. No, we got a good But show. I would say, you know, I don't think people understand that they can do can do that. That they have the ability to call a you know call a legislator up and talk to them or one of their staff, which eventually could lead to a conversation with the actual decision maker themselves. Right. I I remember when I when I uh, got when I got married, uh, Cynthia's from Mexico, and uh, you know we were trying to get some of her family to come to the wedding, which was in the United States, and some of them didn't have uh, visas. Mm-hmm. So I called the governor's office up, and I had them call the immigration down in in uh, in Arizona, and I got to talk to them on the phone and got them to give me these like ten day passes. Or it's permits. amazing how fast it works. And right? it happened within when just a couple days. People. I was like, I well, I didn't even know. I just like call call uh, yeah, people yeah. up, yeah. right? But that's the the power that people kind of wield sometimes, but they don't they don't people know don't it. understand the the weight the magnitude that you as as a taxpayer have with an elected official yeah sure I know especially yeah. when you see like the 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 rallies that have been happening lately yeah. and people organizing and speaking out it yeah, that changes the news narrative what the media covers gets people thinking changing their mind um, there's there's power especially strength in numbers I think and so one of the biggest things that we say is if you've got an issue maybe you can solve it quickly with a phone call but a lot of times these are the bigger problems where if you get other people especially diversity like a lot of our issues will team up with like we're very more right of center libertarian we'll team up with like the ACLU right and something like civil asset forfeiture which is yeah. where the government can steal your property um, when you team up with people who come from different perspectives that prevents a very united front I mean maybe going back to like the William Wallace and the crazy Irish guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's there's strength in numbers for and, sure. And I think you can accomplish a lot of good if you just get out of your echo chamber, get out of your feelings of helplessness mm-hmm. or isolation, get out there and make a difference. It's well, easier it's easier for people to do that too. I mean I would say yeah strength strength in numbers but also focus and focus on a, a certain initiative. When there's a lot of that it can it can have a lot of it can have more power than people think. Scale. Yep. Yeah. I think that um I, if if people are listening to this right now, I have been a political consultant for a very long time and sitting in a senator's office. I don't want to say his name, but Senator Bob Bennett uh, sitting in his office and having a just a regular person call and want to speak to the senator, watching everybody on his staff jump to and immediately mm-hmm. respond because the last thing they want is that negativity out there that, oh, they just blew me off or, oh, they just, you know, and, and he legitimately listened. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I can't speak to every elected official, but I was really surprised the first time I saw that happen, that, mm-hmm. that one voice, one phone call really can change things. Mm-hmm. That's really true. Sure. And I think if more people knew that, uh, you wouldn't have that complacency. I, more mm-hmm. to your point, I guess. Yeah. All right, so let's follow up with a couple just kind of random questions. Shoot. But so the, you writing books, 
I mean, a lot of them, children's books, you know, heading up a, a nonprofit organization with what you do. It's not like every, like a normal person just, you know, decides that's what they're going to do with their career. So I would, <laughs> I would say, you know, what, what is that? I know that your parents were really influential, but what, what was it that kind of sparked you to do what you're doing and what, like, it can't be easy, right? So what keeps you... Huh. What keeps you doing it? So it's kind of a three or four steps to get me into this. I, I was a web developer for 10 or 15 years, and um, I followed the news. I started reading some books, and I developed a, a, an interest in American history, Constitution, the Revolutionary War. So I started reading a lot. And then I started branching out to economics and philosophy. Like, what were the ideas that, at the base of all of that? Why did people do what they did? Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so I was blogging at the time. This was like 2005, right? Connor's Conundrums mm-hmm. you talked about. And so blogging was big. And so I kind of gained a readership. I then wrote my first book. And so I kind of built an audience. And that caught the attention of um, a couple people who were forming a campaign for the person who knocked out Bob Bennett <laughs> for Mike Lee. And I end up in this living room with like nine people and this guy named Mike Lee that I've not met before and uh, saying like, hey, should we do a campaign for this guy? And so I was on his core uh, staff for a few months. Um, I later headed up uh, the Utah chapter for, uh, so I guess I should say at that time I realized that um, nothing was really changing federally. I like Mike a lot. Um, he does a lot of good things, Senator Lee. I think he does a lot of good things, but nothing changes federally. Like for every good initiative or bill, you know, there's 842 bad things happening. And so I said, you know what? The the emphasis has to be at the state level, right? So I started with a group called the 10th Amendment Center. Yeah. Um, they've changed a little bit. At the time, they had state chapters. And their whole goal, as was ours in Utah that I did this for a year and a half, was working with state legislators to get them to fight Congress um, or the federal bureaucracy under the 10th Amendment, which Mm -hmm. says that every power not delegated uh, to the federal government is reserved to the states Mm -hmm. or to the people. Mm -hmm. So we were trying to empower the state legislature to push back and say, no, that's our power. That's our power. And we passed some bills and had some fun. But the challenge that I ran into was these state legislators that we were working with would partner with us to fight D.C., but then they'd turn right around and impose in Utah, the same big government, nanny state, welfare, whatever, you know, programs that we were opposing at the federal level. And to me, I saw an inconsistency where, you know, for me, it's not about the federal government versus the states. It's about these principles that apply universally. And so that's what kind of prompted Libertas uh, back in 2011 to say, we need a group that can kind of advocate for that, hold people accountable to that and fight for limited government inside the state. Um, how how hypocritical is it for us to go to D.C. and say, we need limited government when in the state we have this like huge nanny state behemoth <laughs> government? Um, and so for us, it's more about let's let's practice what we preach or at least let's have someone to preach it first, <laughs> you know, and then we can start practicing it and then we'll grow from there. So that was the idea. Very briefly about how uh, what keeps me motivated. Uh, this is a very easy one. It's the phone calls and emails we get from people who are desperate and need help. Um, we get from whether it's medical marijuana patients or moms of kids who are pulled into truancy court. I can't tell you how many parents we hear from where their kid has anxiety or depression or health challenges and they're absent from school. So then they land in truancy court and then the judge is giving them all these threatening orders. They're charging the mom with class B misdemeanor because the kid's absent, you know, and they're desperate. And so we get emails from people other issues as well, businesses, the food trucks, right? Seeing the little guy um, being screwed over 
is huge motivation, especially when, I mean, we're a very small group. Our budget's like half a million or something like that. Um, so we're not the biggest group. We've, we've got a staff of like seven or eight, uh, but we are lean and mean and we, we have a great track record. 77% of our policies that we propose are enacted into law, wow. which is un- unheard of with organizations like ours. And so we have some resources we can bring to bear. We've got a good, you know, microphone, if you will, to, to broadcast stuff and get some change. Um, and so when you combine our ability to get stuff done and the limited resources that we have with these stories, you end up with a lot of David versus Goliaths. And as much as it sucks to fight 12 Goliaths, it feels really good to be David. Yeah. Um, and so that's the motivation. Interesting. Well, I think your, ba- your background helps in leveraging the message where, you know, a group of seven, you know, 65 year olds probably wouldn't be able to make much of a difference. But I would say, you know, looking at your crew and what you've done with your websites, with the internet, with your blogging, with your videos, I mean, that right there has just kind of exponentially grown that, that message. And so, I mean, dude, seriously, it's the whole Wayne, Gr- uh, Wayne Gretzky principle. <laughs> Right, it's that sometimes the little the little guy is what is who makes the biggest difference. It, it, yeah, the, the smartest. We call him little. No, I'm just kidding. The I'm, smartest. I'm short. Guy <laughs> All that talking physically. But, I'm just saying. But you have yeah. to be yeah, yeah. agile. I mean, I think you're right. Like the status quo is very slow, and and we can use that to our benefit. I really like in judo. One, and I'm not you know, practice judo, but I've studied a little bit. Where one of the principles in judo is you want to harness the other person's energy and motion against them. Jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu? And well, judo too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I asked a judo guy, but I might be wrong. <laughs> but like, if you know, if someone's coming at you to punch you, rather than blocking and striking you down, you 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 know, step out of the way and kind of keep them going, flip them or something like that. And I really like that principle as it applies to government. Is there is so much momentum um, involved in what the state does? If you can find a way to kind of use its power against itself in, in some creative ways, it's a lot of fun. But you do, you got to be agile you got to have hustle you got to i mean because goliath is really big and when goliath swings he swings hard and all you is a little stone yeah absolutely so david's (laughs) tiny and he can run around and you know slip out of the way and it's fun we have a lot of you know and frankly the motivation of parents valuing conversations with their kids or the mom getting her kid out of truancy court or the medical marijuana patient getting relief or whatever the issue is. That reward is. is, The reward is huge. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you're doing an amazing good, man. And this has been well, way overdue to do a a podcast. I appreciate it. I think we need to have you come back. For sure. We need to do one on the gold, the golden, the golden rule. The real golden rule. The real golden. (laughs) Yeah, we should. We should do a whole thing on money. I mean, obviously with creature from Jekyll Island that that's a that's a really really good one but that talk about a complex subject absolutely nobody one man Pat, in a, Pat one man in a million turned that into a kids book and i went no way yeah, <laughs> yeah cuz we, no, we did we did uh, chunga and the creature from Jekyll Island episode well, yeah. that was oh, a right. while ago that yeah, was a while ago and yeah. it was you know it was deep and it was complex yeah you know even even us trying to simplify it yeah so absolutely. respect yeah well, <laughs> that you were able to do that i sweat but you know <laughs> okay well let's uh yeah, let's let's call it a podcast for today, no, and then leave some fun. of these other inquisitive uh, questions to uh, to another time. That sounds good. Cool. Well, let's. Uh, all right. What's the best way online? You're super active online. I I, I kind of have like my my online virtual mastermind group as like my Facebook feed. So it's like I have tons, you know, a lot of contacts, but I only actually have the you know feed show me 
a, a few, right? Yeah. So it's it's an amazing way to get just incredible information. But you're very active there. Now you're all always... your Facebook friends are wondering if they're part of the esteemed uh, core few. Well, these you... are this is a group. That, that's so true. This all is right. like the group. Yeah. So we're, Public, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I would yeah, I would say the information you post there is is inspiring. Uh, it also keeps people up to speed with what yeah. you're doing, your books, uh, the impact that it's having. I know you you post a lot of pictures just with you know some of the families and people that have uh, been touched or moved by uh, by your books and by whatever else you're doing. So that's a one way to get a hold of yeah. uh, of you. What's what are some other ways that people so, can learn more about uh, Libertas Tuttle Twins? Yeah, so the the the, uh, the books are tuttletwins.com t u t t l e um and then uh, Libertas it's uh, libertasutah.org or you know if you have any typos you can easily google that and you'll find us but we try and be very social get the word out there on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and all that kind of stuff and so certainly follow along and and you know for those in other states again there's if you go to spn.org you can find a group in your state see if that's someone that you want to support because we're all kind of together everyone has their different flavors some are a little bit more 65 year olds sitting around a room versus the you know the millennials (laughs) trying to kick butt but uh, but we're all kind of in a common cause and trying to kick butt, so having fun. Well, yeah, your hats off to you, man. I mean, I think once people, if, if some of you probably are 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 following Connor already, but just the you know the difference you're making with just such a small army is is uh, is pretty amazing. So hats Thank off you. to you, man. Appreciate it. All right, everyone, thanks for joining us this time. We'll go ahead and cut that Facebook live feed, but definitely go check out the show notes. We're going to put some links on there uh, that also will point to uh, to Connor and the uh, Libertas. Institute, but uh, again, thank you very much. Thank and you. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to do this again. Sounds great. See you, everyone. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast, the gold standard in all things financial. 